Welcome to another episode of Generation Future Ready, a new series powered by Petra Science and the KDU School of Communications and Creative Arts. The series explores the challenges and opportunities in a fast-changing future and how the generation today, mine, can prepare themselves with the right knowledge and skills to be future ready. So with me today in the studio are two passionate champions on digital citizenship, and they will be sharing their insights on youth's participation as citizens in an increasingly connected world. I mean, everybody's on the internet, right? So one is an award-winning journalist, and the other is an industry leader on internet safety and digital resilience. So we have Elroy Yi, the senior producer of The Rage, and Philip Ying, Philip Ling, sorry, head of sustainability at Digi. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Hello. Hello. So our first question is getting to know the both of you. So tell us a little bit more about your backgrounds, what you do, and what your organizations are about. Uh, let's start with Philip. Yep, sure. So we are a digital company. Uh, used to be a more of a telecommunications and now looking at internet as our main provide, uh, services. Um, myself, I've been with DG a long, long time. Uh, it's 18 years. Wow. Uh, it's uh, almost a lifetime. <laughs> that, that, that's almost how long I've been alive. I so. know. <laughs> but I've moved around. Uh, so the, the last eight years I was, I'm doing in sustainability. Wow. Uh, so one of the things we look at is internet safety. Right? Which is very important because nowadays kids, they don't quite know much yes. internet safety back in my day when I was growing up was you know my mom saying don't talk to online strangers don't give them your full name don't give them your address but now it goes so much more beyond that and I think it's more challenging even for adults yes right? because they're not digital natives yeah. I'm thinking about my grandparents you know sharing all their whatsapp messages mm. so <laughs> yep yep true <laughs> okay so um Let's uh, let's look at Elroy. Um, I'm producer at Rage, so uh, Rage produces multimedia um, journalism that caters to the urban youth demographic, and most of our work um, is on social media or online. So, um, as a senior producer, like, what does your job entail? Um, I look at all the videos and the content that we produce. That's really cool though, because I've been an avid follower of your YouTube channel, so getting to meet you is actually really cool. <laughs> I was following the, the Predator in my phone series um, quite diligently, so I was really excited to see like the rest of the stuff that you guys were doing. Mm -hmm. Thank you for following us, yes. so continue following And the rest of you should! It's really good content! <laughs> so that being said, we're going to move to our second question. Um, the both of you come from somewhat different professional roles, but fundamentally, are their both roles have to do with communications. So in light of our theme on IR 4.0, Industry Revolution 4.0, uh, let's start with your take on some of the major disruptions that you see in your field. So what are the major disruptions that you see in your field now and for the years to come? Uh, cool, let's start with Elroy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, um, uh, well, Philip will, will know a lot about the digital side of things, but for the new side of things, if we are, if we are a journalist, our industry has been turned on its head. I think it's um, nothing as, almost nothing can be compared to, say, five years ago. Mm. Um, things have changed so much just because there is internet. So once you have internet, um, uh, information is almost like democratized. Um, it's free, it's available all the time, everywhere you can access information anywhere you are, however you want to. And that affects um, um, organizations like um, us, um, news organizations, whose business is basically providing information that's verified. Um, what we see is that um, people don't 
uh, want to pay for news anymore. Yeah. Mm. So everything is free, everything is online, and um, obviously that impacts our bottom line. So um, the business models that we used to survive on, um, advertising um, in the newspapers that pay for um, us going out to find the news and putting it on paper, that business model has, has been shot to bits. Mm. Um, all the news that we put up online, um, advertisers don't pay for banner ads anymore. Um, sponsored content becomes a slippery topic because it uh, impacts our um, our integrity as um, as a news outlet. Mm-hmm. So um, we're at that point where revenue is down. I think some some organizations by 60-70%. Mm. Um, we are losing staff, most of the news organizations. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we have to figure out a new way to go forward. Um, if you're a journalist today, the first thing you need to think about is how to um, how how you can um, um, improve your skill sets so that you can survive in a pretty tough uh, industry. Yeah. So that's the disruptions that we see. Of course, social media as well. So nobody goes to our not nobody, but most people don't go to our website for news as well. They go to social media where we have to push our content and they get it off social media mm. without even going to the website. So again, that also impacts um, Yeah, because you're not getting the clicks and everything. Yeah. Oh. And of course, it's all free if you put it on Facebook. So yes. you can consume it on Facebook without going to the website and that impacts um, advertising as well. So everything is changing. We're still figuring out a way moving forward and journalists really have to adapt in this time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I salute all journalists that are trying to adapt in this trying time. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It, it looks tough, man. <laughs> mm, mm. It is, it is. But, uh, but uh, please sign up for journalism courses. We still need journalists. It's <laughs> still an integral part of uh, democracy. Well, you know, yeah. we've got like a large group of the journalism kids over in the MassCom school. So I'm pretty sure you'll get a lot of kids coming in over the next couple of months. I mean, in fact, a lot of young people are now YouTube KOLs, right? They are, they are mm. creating their own news. They are they're mm. creating their own content. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. And th- those are our competitors these days, you see. Oh my goodness. So we do have to... Um, uh, uh, Frenemies. Uh, Frenemies. Yeah, we engage them and yet at the same time, um, we compete with them for space online. But um, yeah, it, it, it's not something that, oh, we are, we, are, we, are, we are against them, but it's us having to adapt to this new landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. right, understandable. Mm. And so... Uh, um, from my side, I, I, I think two things, disruptions we see a lot. Uh, one is platform is king. So nowadays, there's so many giant platforms coming out, you know, like Taobao, Alibaba, yeah. Lazada. And, and as you see them, everything can be found there, right? In the future, for all you know, you can buy your house, your cars, all on platforms. Mm-hmm. So products and services and all companies are struggling because platforms are now dominating the whole industry. Um, the other thing we see, a, a huge disruption is, of course, things like facial recognition. Right, where they're taking over so uh, a lot of things now they are Bluetooth locks example right uh, where you can just unlock it with your phone so what happens to the old lock and key industry you know? yeah. so almost overnight a lot of things uh, if it becomes viral and it, it picks up as a trend uh, to society you see a lot of uh, traditional companies who are unable to change will suddenly f- find themselves obsolete overnight so those are a lot of uh, uh, it, it's hard to forecast what comes up and what goes down no, because some things it looks great in the in the innovation stage or in the um, in the designing stage. Oh, but then in implementation, yes. it just no one picks it up. No yeah. one buys it. And something that's as silly as uh, apple pineapple, it takes the world <laughs> overnight, right? So it's extremely hard to forecast today uh, what what's happening in the future. So in a sense, we we don't we always say that we don't know the destination that we're going, mm-hmm. but as, but you need to find a direction that you know works. 
right? And hopefully, as you, as you land in the destination in the future, it's somewhere that's still sustainable and still growing. So at least like yeah. be on the path. Don't be afraid from straying, but at least like know it's going somewhere. Yes, be be used to the uh, the option of not knowing. You know, what's happening in the but future? But that's scary. Yeah, like like same with uh, a lot of young people nowadays. You're in university. By the time you graduate, that that skill or that job that you may have may need to change. True. Right? It could be obsolete by the time you come out. Well, that's why we're doing um, the show because we're exactly. trying to get our kids to be future ready. <laughs> <laughs> so our final question in this segment is based on your experience and observations. Uh, what are your thoughts on how well youths today are ready for the digital tomorrow? Let's start with Elroy. Okay. Um, based on us as um, journalists, seeing how um, young people consume news, um, we definitely um, uh, worry about people spreading fake news. Yeah. So when we're in a business of verification, which is what journalists do, um, where we push verified, credible, and balanced and fair information, um, that's definitely a, 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 a problem for us to deal with. Um, so, are youths today sharing fake news? Um, I would say they fare a lot better than the older generation. Yeah. So, um, generally, um, youths call each other out when they share stuff that is wrong. And they are actively out there saying, look, this is not right, this is what's right. And we see that more with the young people than with the older people. So in terms of um, information sharing and verification, I think young people, in our experience at least, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they do a lot better than older people. Mm. So in that sense, as journalists, I think for the digital age, um, young people are ready. They, they are ready with the skill sets, with the knowledge, with the, with the technology um, to be um, digital journalists for the future. So, so with the rise in social media, basically everybody can be a journalist, but not everybody is going to be sharing the right stuff. Mm. So everybody can be a, can share information, mm -hmm. but journalism means that you will take that extra step, do the due diligence to find out whether it's true, and analyze it further if you can. So that's the skill of a journalist. So everybody can share information, but journalists need to say this is what I'm doing, and make sure that it's done right. That's the way that um, our industry can grow. And I think young people have the skill sets, they have the understanding, and if you study um, with um, good lecturers, hopefully, <laughs> then um, you would have the, the, the ethics to navigate this new landscape. So that's, that's how we see it. All right, journalism majors, do you hear this? And uh, let's get Philip's take yep. on it before um, we stop. I, I think, uh, again, two things. Uh, one is that we are in such a fast-moving uh, pace uh, um, industry at this time or, or the, the, the world um, that you you can't get everything ready and then you roll it out you have to roll it out and then you have to fix it on the way so if you look at all the way that uh, Apple is doing it they will push out a new iOS oh yeah and then the bug fixes will just come out so but if you look at the older generation we would rather do something that's completely you test it 100 times and then before you roll it out yeah so that that's a very different business model of uh, ways things are functioning but in that, you also realize that what's uh, very important is ethics and morals, mm -hmm. right? Uh, do you roll things out even you know that there's a certain harm or risk to the consumers using it? Or uh, does the company has enough governance and compliance? And I think that's very important for young people. Uh, we've seen a lot of young people now advocating uh, ethics because they've also seen a, a lot of uh, industries, a lot of big brands, you know, uh, using shortcuts. Being unethical. Being unethical, right? Yeah. So if, if the, the, the learning environment today is able to strengthen that, to put that value first, you know, even 
even higher than just innovating and thinking out of the box, mm. but thinking with morals and ethics. I think that's extremely important moving forward. Yeah. I think it's good that the youth today are actually uh, being quite active with that. They're mm. taking the initiative, mm. and probably social media had a big part of it because it shows that they can actually push their voices out. Mm. So that's one thing to keep in mind, I guess. Mm. Nice, nice, nice. <coughs> so. Um, we come to the end of the segment. This is our first segment. And then, so we're going to play some music that really fits in tune with the kind of mood we've got going on. Nice. And then we're going to come to our next segment. So you've been listening to Generation Future Ready, powered by Petri Science and the KDA School of Communications and Creative Arts. You're listening to KU Campus Radio. And welcome back to the second talk set of Generation Future Ready, powered by Petri Science and the KDA School of Communications and Creative Arts. Today, we are talking about being a digital citizen, and um, we're going to get right back into these questions because we've got our two wonderful guests. So first of all, uh, Elroy, in the last two years, The Rage reinvented itself to create more video content on hard-hitting issues, and they've clinched many notable awards. So first of all, congratulations are in order. Thank you. And uh, I am particularly interested to know more about your groundbreaking work for Predator in My Phone. Uh, this story eventually garnered nationwide attention that moved it for the laws against child uh, cyber grooming, and it was even passed on to Malaysian parliament. So what is missing in the way that we inform and educate children on the use of technology? And how will these issues evolve in a future of increasing connectivity and technology use? Most kids, we can say that they are digital natives already. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't matter rural or urban, right? Yep. We don't see that at all, Agreed. there's no divide. Everybody has a phone, everybody has internet connection, everybody has Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, WeChat. Yep. And, and they know how to use them instinctively, right? Yep. They, they don't need any education on how to use the tools that are avail- available online on their mobile phones on their computers um, they don't need education in that sense mm-hmm. but um, what um, predator in my phone when we were working on it um, um, showed us is that there are people who are using it to harm other people yes. there are people who are using that technology to harm and exploit children um, um, disturbing as that sounds there are bad people out there um, who um, and, and it's just it's beyond just sexual exploitation it's also scams. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's also human trafficking. Um, yes. So NGOs have told us that tech invo- um, tech-related human trafficking is definitely on the rise. Um, we we um, published a story on student trafficking, where most of the agents um, push their services online on Facebook, and people click on Facebook links and get get cheated to to study in a scam college. So it's not just sexual exploitation. It's pretty much all aspects you can find bad people who are using good technology to target vulnerable people. And um, what's missing in the way we educate our children on technology use? I think um, we always talk about keeping, um, protect yourselves, protect yourself, protect yourselves. And I think that's a very important message to send out. Um, but at the same time, and, and Philip can elaborate more on that, um, about how to protect yourself online. But I always like to skew the discussion towards cleaning up the space instead means that you have to actively um, um, Be do aware. positive things online. Mm. Um, don't bully people online. Don't, um, don't, don't um, spread hate online. Yeah. Clean up that space for people who are stepping into that space who might be vulnerable. Mm. Um, call out people who you think report um, incidences of sexual exploitation when you see them. Mm-hmm. Send them to the police. Find out what you can do to clean up that space. And if everybody does that little bit of thing, um, the new 
kids who come into this technology will have a safer space to to grow, to to learn, and to 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 innovate. So um, that's what I think maybe is missing. That we always um, the incentive to clean up after yourself isn't there. Yes, Basically, yes, that's what it is. And uh, uh, it means that um, we we always we, we, we get angry online mm -hmm. and say, oh, I can't believe this is happening online. But what have you been doing to, to fix the problem? Have have you been um, um, reporting cases of um, child grooming that you notice online to the police? And that actually takes away the negative things from this space, from on from the online space. And kids who come into it will then have a safer space. And if we keep doing it in the long run, hopefully, maybe one day we'll have a very clean internet, very well self-regulated internet that's 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 safe. And that's utopia, but <laughs> we can we, we should work towards that. Yes. Yeah. It's true. The some people they they say that they're against bullying, but then as soon as they get access to Facebook, you know, under that veil of being anonymous, anything can happen. Mm. And we see a lot of um, bullies being bullied. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, you spread a clip of somebody who's involved in bullying and then you bully him back online saying this person should it doesn't go make to it jail. Right. We, when you see, if you see this person, please um, hit him in the face. And we see a lot of that. Uh, it's and, the call-out culture nowadays, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not just calling out. I mean, it's it's calling out with... with um, Malicious intent? With Yeah, with some, some form of vengeance, um, vengeance mm. and um, 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 almost violence sometimes. So we need to um, take these things out of the internet. Yeah, and if we keep ourselves in check like that, we can have a safer internet. Mm. Yeah. And if I can pick up a bit mm. on where Elroy left off, yeah. um, on, on where the predator on my phone uh, continued, uh, we really, uh, so Digi and Rage and UNICEF, we worked together. There was another town hall that we did. Uh, it's called Sayer Sang Sayer. It mm -hmm. was a nationwide town hall. Uh, it was what's interesting for me for that town hall was that every town hall was a two hour Q&A with young people. So when you do a Q&A and you peel back the onion behind grooming, you realize that uh, the, the questions that you need to ask is then why are young people so eager to talk to people uh, older than them? Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Why is it they are spending online uh, and there's no monitoring and there's no uh, principles in what they are doing? Uh, and even when you, you peel it back further, you realize that it's not just adults grooming children. They are young people grooming young people. Uh, yeah. Even in schools, you see uh, students pimping other students. You know? So as you go back, there's a lot of societal issues uh, behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, either family issues, either relationship issues that needs to be solved. Because at the end of the day, what you see here is a symptom of something else. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we need to tackle. Which is, frankly, it's upsetting you know, to know that basically it just goes back so deep. But it's good that nowadays we are trying to get to the root of the issue at mm -hmm. least, as opposed to ignoring it, that yes. kind of thing. So uh, directing our next question to Philip specifically. Philip, your expertise lies in the areas of cyber safety, digital resiliency, and social innovation, amongst others. And Digi is also recognized as an industry leader in this space. Based on your experience, what does it mean to be digitally resilient? And uh, what have been some of the challenges that you've observed in this space? And how will it bode for the youths who are entering the workforce in the next few years? Um, well, when we come to digital resiliency, um, mm -hmm. it's part of a larger uh, context. Uh, we call it digital citizenship. Uh, if I can just break down because it's a big word. Uh, so citizenship basically means that you're part of a society. You're a citizen in a society. And with every society, there's norms, there's standards, uh, there's principles, right? Um, and digital resilience means that when you're in this society, you know that uh, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly, yeah. right? So uh, how do you participate in the good? You know? So as, a, as if you are a user of online, digital user, what type of content are you creating? 
like what Elra said eh, in the case of bullying what what do you say to other people how do you are you kind to them do you know that behind every screen name there is actually a real person yeah. with uh, real feelings and all those so how do you interact with that uh, so that's the good part of how are you building a, a better internet for tomorrow right of course the bad and the ugly is for you to be able to identify the risk either it's scamming either it's grooming you know? and once you identify it, or you if even if you encounter this negative risk how do you react so that that reaction is what we call digital resilience if you've got low digital resilience you'll feel depressed you'll feel trapped you'll feel guilty you feel that uh, my life is over because my my new photo is now on online for everyone to see mm. but if you got high digital resilience then you know that there are various ways of responding to it uh, can you report this can you block this so we're trying to build that resiliency level amongst young people because most of their lives are spent online now yeah right and so uh, and we know that a lot of young people are afraid to go to parents because the parents natural uh, reaction. reaction is that I'll take away your phone no more yeah. you know, close all your accounts the internet can't see you anymore so I'm going to take your phone exactly <laughs> so so to be able to build that bridge between adults or parents and children is extremely important in tackling something like this because you want to make sure that everybody understands the same things basically yes right right so our final question is that with IR 4.0 in mind what do you think are some untapped opportunities in educating youths to become more digitally responsible citizens all right Mm. Well, I think uh, as far as journalists go, um, please um, do not share unverified <laughs> information. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> um, and um, be responsible with the information that you share. I think um, if we all put out good information, verified information, we have less um, opportunities for scam artists, for, um, for hate and for um, racist comments or divisive comments. If we just be... Um, understand that when you each of us with our phones uh, are almost like a publisher so it used to be okay the star new Straits times astro these are the publishers of information but everybody with a phone and with a, 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 a social media account yeah. yeah you your message can reach a lot of people yeah. and you have to understand it's um, on social media you get a sense that you're just talking to your friend but it's very personal but actually it's, it's in a public. public space it's a public space yeah. And once it's out there, actually, you can't take it back. Mm. Um, so be mindful that you are a publisher. And as a publisher, you have responsibilities to the public. Um, yeah, and, and, and um, when you have that in mind, I think um, um, you will share information a lot, a little more um, mindfully? consciously, mindfully. Yeah. Mm. So. so it's all about just being responsible and acknowledging mm. what you're putting out out there. Right. Nice. Mm. So, Philip, what's your take? Um, on, on my side, when, when we talk about digital... Uh, responsible digital citizens. Uh, I think we always have to see the internet uh, or social media as something that complements uh, social social activity, right? It shouldn't take over, you shouldn't be anti-social once you're on the internet, right? <laughs> because it's it's meant to, to make it better. Not to, to make, make the world worse. feel a little bit smaller. Yes. Yeah. And, and the internet is extremely powerful. Uh, we see people who have never had access, uh, leapfrog uh, to, to education, to commerce, just because they've been given the opportunity. Mm. And like what uh, Elle was saying, on the internet, it, it's public. So when you are on the internet, you actually exert a sort of influence on someone else, mm. whether you know it or you don't know it. Because anyone can be reading the things that you post, the videos that you put up. And uh, it's so we see thousands of apps coming up every day. Yeah. Right? And certain apps are, are leaning towards the more negative side, certain apps are leaning towards the more positive sides. What determines which apps are popular, which one dies down, which one grows? It's through the influence of. Exactly, yeah. it's the users, right? So if everyone loves an app where you can bully someone, 
then the app will naturally just become more, more, more popular. But if everyone leans towards uh, something that's more kinder, mm-hmm. then that would grow. Yeah. Uh, so we must know that as individuals, we have that influence. Uh, we mm. exert that influence over the internet. Mm. So we need yeah. to acknowledge like our endorsement can really make or break something. Yes. Mm. All right, mm. all right. Mm. So with that being said, we've reached the end of our segment. So we are going to take a quick break. We're going to play some cool music and then we'll get right back. <laughs> so you've been listening to Generation Future Ready, powered by PetroScience and the KDU School of Communications and Creative Arts. And welcome back to the third segment of Generation Future Ready, powered by PetroScience and the Kidian School of Communications and Creative Arts. We've reached our legendary third talk set, which is the game. Um, Gentlemen, have you played the Have You Never Ever Challenge before? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Okay, so you're going to play it for the first time here. Um, it's going to be very casual, very cool. Basically, uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, mm-hmm. and then if you've done it, you say, I have. And if you haven't, you say that you've never. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty scary questions, though. <laughs> I mean, oh, they can't. Yeah, they are a little bit scary, actually, but that's part of the fun. That's part of the challenge. Of so here's our first question Have you never, ever been or almost scammed online? Um. It's a bit of almost, so it's kind of in the middle. Okay, <laughs> I think we're going to start with Philip first. <laughs> uh, it's not so much online, uh, so I was once... You're scammed offline? A bit of offline plus online. Oh my goodness. Okay, so how it happens is that I went on a jungle trip uh, expedition with my friends, mm-hmm. and my dad actually got a phone call at the minute that I went into the jungle, where I had no coverage, saying that... Uh, the phone call was from a group of people pretending to be a police mm-hmm. and saying that they've caught me with drugs in my boot and asked my dad to meet them somewhere. Wow, right? heavy stuff. And he couldn't call me because I had no coverage yeah. because I was in the jungle. How did they know? I think okay. it, I, I, I suspect that when we register before you go to the jungle. Yeah, they probably timed it as such. Probably yeah. someone is scam, scam. Yeah. It's so scary. Uh. Oh, that's, that's but good thing my, my dad kind of uh, didn't believe it. Oh, uh, okay, so uh, it worked out, yeah. but because still. Because in the phone call, someone was crying at the back, shouting, help me, help me. But he was using it in the Chinese dialect that we don't speak. Oh. <laughs> uh, well done. So it was a, wow, your dad really well like super Uncle sleuth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good job, uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aurora, how about you? Uh, there was once uh, I was um, trolling, um, trolling through the net to look for second-hand camera lenses to, uh-huh. to buy. <laughs> yeah, and then somebody offered a really good deal. And it was so good that, um, and so realistic, where he sent um, a PayPal mm. um, um, page that looks like PayPal page, but it's not really a PayPal uh, account. Oh. It was really well done. And um, I only realized that it might be a scam when um, somebody just mentioned, oh, just be careful. Okay, better be careful. And I just Googled his, I believe I tried to Google his, uh, his phone number or his PayPal account number. And it came up as flagged as uh, a scam. Wow. So I, I set about spending the next few days trolling him. <laughs> so I said, yeah, oh, you know, ask him more questions, get him to do a uh, reply. Oh, oh, you're in UK? Oh, hey, I'm in UK as well. <laughs> oh, oh, is this where you stay? And I sent him uh, a, a Google map. Oh, you're like, can COD instead? <laughs> uh? <laughs> so actually, I was doing it from Malaysia. So I was oh. trying to scam him back. And then, yeah, just, just to scare him a bit. And I said, OK, finally, I'm reporting you to the police. Shut him up real quick. <laughs> but so almost. 
I almost paid him. Oh my goodness. So it's a good thing you remembered the be aware of scams. Yeah, yeah. So be aware of scams, everybody. We're seeing it now so that maybe you'll have the same kind of moment where mm-hmm. you like stop and you're like, hey, wait. Yeah. So here's our next question in the challenge. Have you never ever gone without the internet for at least a full day? Uh-huh. You both have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Philip? Uh, I yes so of course uh, sometimes when you go do so I, I'm involved in a lot of social work mm-hmm. sometimes in the social work that's you just go without your phone for a week uh, which is normal right it's kind of uh, hard to imagine in this day and age especially you know I guess for me because I grew up like yeah. on the internet so it's kind of like huh so I also make it a habit to delete some of my uh, social media once in a while just to see how I react to it for, for a few days or a week wow. before I install them back. That's strong. Right. <laughs> strong. I mean, yeah, I only delete my social media off my phone for like a day when I'm like, oh, no one's talking to me. I'm emo. You know, oh, okay. see what they say. Then like three days later, nobody reacted and I'm like, all right. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, I'm back, guys. <laughs> Did you miss me? And they're like, you left? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, how about you? Yeah, I, I think uh, our job takes us to some... Um, pretty far away places sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few days without without uh, connection. Um, yeah, it's 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 um, it's happened before. Um, although because our work is so connected to the internet, we always have to see how our stories do online, mm-hmm. how uh, how we can improve it, how we can post it up in a different way, the different social media platforms that we have to push our content on. So I actually regret getting stuck on my phone so much because I think I always remember the days without my phone somewhere in the jungle as. Um, as great experiences. So our final question in this challenge is, have you never ever done something you wished you didn't on the internet? Because I know I have. We can all agree. We all have. Philip, last... No! (laughs) For me, it's mostly like, you know when you're like upset about a boy and you post like emo things and then you're like, why did I do that? And then your friends have seen it and they're like, hey, can I put emo on that? And you're like, I don't want them to see this. They can talk to me about it. That's gross. <laughs> feelings are gross, basically. Don't put your feelings on the internet. Um, I, I used to put uh, videos of my children online oh. when they were young. So how cute. Uh, what's interesting, because a few years ago, uh, children who grew up on the online, when they reached 21, started suing their parents in the UK mm-hmm. for content that the parents put up without their permission. Oh, right. because they're, yeah, yeah because I understand. So you, you must imagine when you when young people come out nowadays, uh, when you look for a job and uh, something else, whatever else, people will automatically scan your social media, mm. right? Whether it's posted by yourself or posted by people around you. Right. Uh, so also now with knowing a lot of the risk online, I've actually taken off most of uh, my stuff offline. Yeah. I mean, because your personal information, it's true. There's like a, um, there's a community of people online who role play and then what they do is they take pictures of other people's babies and they use that as like their dream to- it's creepy yes, it's yes, creepy yes. i understand that okay <laughs> <laughs> and then so Alroy, how about you <laughs> nah yeah i think it's similar to, to to you it's just embarrassing stuff you put online when you're young and yeah and impulsive and when oh. social media is new to you and you feel like so many people are paying attention to you yeah yeah, I look at my old Facebook um, posts from when I first um, opened my account. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Facebook won't delete them for me for some reason. <laughs> so I'm like, please. <laughs> so, so one thing I think we realized that technology is not neutral. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to register for a lot of things. It's very hard to deregister sometimes. It is. Um, there are some services online that try to help you with that process. But, you know, it's also harder for the older generation because sometimes... Um, 
with my with my family and everything. It's like help me delete my account for this. But then there's no definite like delete account for like whatever they've signed up for. So And it's actually sitting dormant because you can reactivate it yeah! anytime. Right, it's just there. Sense. You Google your name, something is there. Last updated two thousand eight, but you can't like get rid of it. Exactly. Oh man. But I think the new the GDPR allows you to I it don't know if it's enforced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question if it will be enforced in the first place. But um it's kinda nice to know that I'm not alone in the, the whole like regretfully putting things on the internet thing. So that ends our third segment, the legendary challenge segment. So we're gonna go into our fourth one after we play some music. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. So you've been listening to Generation Future Ready, powered by Petra Science and the KDU School of Communications and Creative Arts. And welcome back to the final segment of Generation Future Ready, powered by Petra Science and the KDU School of Communications and Creative Arts. So as I said, this is our final segment with our two guests, and we are talking about being a responsible digital citizen. If you're wondering what digital citizenship is, then, well, you know, that's the part where you tune into the podcast version of this after the broadcast, and you kind of listen back to everything. It's some really good stuff, I'm telling you. I learned a lot, so you're going to learn a lot. So for our final questions... Um, what is your advice or tips for our listeners, especially the youth, to be more digitally responsible when interacting with the virtual world? Philip. Um, one thing I always tell people that the internet is forever, right? Uh, it is. So even when you, if you try to scroll Facebook, you can scroll for 24-7 and you'll still be scrolling. Yeah. Right? So media literacy is very important. You, know? you don't have to read everything and see everything. Uh, worst case is when you believe everything. Right, because there's a lot of things out there that's not just not true. Yeah. So it's I think it's important for us to be able to exercise that self-discipline to prioritize. Uh, media gives you a lot of uh, uh, new insights, a lot of things to learn, but come to think of it, all the life hacks that you watch, how many of it have you actually used? True, <laughs> right? true. Those so little like the square-shaped like exactly. five minutes. How you minute fold your hat. blanket, how you fold your shirt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, knowledge, if it's not applied, actually is useless. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, Elroy, <coughs> what's your take on this question? Um, I think being digitally responsible um, from a journalism point of view, I can't stress it enough. Um, share verified information. Mm-hmm. Um, y- your um, watching or looking at a certain content gives weight to it online. It, it, if you click on um, this story um, on Facebook more, more people click on this story, mm-hmm. that shows up more on people's news feeds as well. So it's almost like a vote. And ah. you can vote up content on Facebook. So if everybody just um, goes to credible news, um, stays away from um, um, negative content, I, I, uh, we have to ne- define negative as well. Um, <laughs> but, you know, read and watch more good things. And that's going to make the whole social media internet a better place. So our next question is, lastly... If our listeners are interested to get involved with the work that DG and the Rage champion for, are there any present or upcoming campaigns that the public can participate in? Philip? Um, so we've launched something called a Yellow Heart. It's mm-hmm. yellowheart.my. Uh, basically, if you go in, it's, it's a bit of education, a bit of fun, but it tells you all the different risks that young people encounter online and the ways for you to overcome it. Uh, for more physical uh, learning, uh, we've actually got a place in PetroScience, uh, Digital City Universe, uh, Digital Universe. So within that, there's a lot of uh, tech games, but it's all around digital citizenship and online safety. So, so basically, cool everybody place. should visit PetroScience. Yes. <laughs> Pay for the ticket. Give me your money. <laughs> so, um, Elroy, how about you? 
Um, rage. Um, uh, our work uh, extends beyond just the digital um, sphere. So we do have a lot of stories that we've lined up, especially about refugees, about um, more more stories about child safety. Exciting. So just um, stay tuned for those stories. But we do have a big program that we have not announced yet that um, looks at, um, it, which is a way that young people and people in general can support us to keep producing um, the stuff that we produce. Oh, why? So we are starting something that we are um, tentatively calling the Rage Supporters Program. Now, this is the, probably the first time anybody would have heard about it. Wow! <laughs> Exclusive! But details are, um, uh, are not for public consumption yet. Mm. We're still working out the mechanics. But once we launch, um, rest assured, we're going to tell everybody and hope everybody um, uh, can come on board this program, um, this, uh, this campaign, which will help make Rage's work sustainable in the long run. Understandable. So um, this will include um, regular um, lecturers at universities and colleges. Ooh. So we are in the midst of trying to firm up some partnerships and um, we organize roadshows and maybe some exhibitions. So um, yeah, we will definitely let you guys know when it launches. Yeah. So stay tuned to their social media. Mm. Subscribe to their YouTube channel. It's yes, good. Please. Oh, by the way, we're hiring. So if you have students who want to join... <laughs> Please, <laughs> please go to our Facebook and um, apply. <laughs> very cool. Very nice. So I think that about sums it up. Thank you both for coming on to the show. It's been super insightful. I personally learned a lot and I'm sure so did our listeners. So that's all we have this week. And this is also our final installment on Industry 4.0. Next month, we are embarking on a brand new theme on the jobs of today and tomorrow. Joining us for next week will be two awesome guests who will be talking about digital storytelling. So I hope you guys can tune in for that one too. Uh, for all our listeners out there, if you're interested in that particular show, tune in on the same time, same day. Uh, next week and also you can find our show as a podcast on the Petra Science website and it's like you can see it says Generation Future Ready on the front page so you should click on it it's really cool and then also this podcast will be available on you know our sites and whatever like down the line so keep an eye out for that stay tuned to our social media and I am Sophie and signing off from Generation Future Ready a podcast that is powered by Petra Science and the KDU School of Communications and Creative Arts You're listening to KDU Campus Radio